Well, alrighty. I'm excited. I have the awesome privilege to be able to speak to you this weekend. Um, I don't know if you're as excited as I am, but yeah, I was, there goes. I don't know. I don't even know. As I was saying that, I was like, I don't know where to go with that. But um, um, I uh, already had a couple shots of espresso in my office before, so that may be where it came from. Also, if I speak really fast because of that, and we're out of here in like 15 minutes, um, I'm sorry, go back and listen to it online or something like that, try and write quickly. Um, but, but I really am excited. I'm, I'm pumped to, to be able to speak to you today and, and to talk on this series of dangerous prayers. Um, we just started last week. We launched into a series called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, Pastor Rob kicked us off in an amazing way, um, talked about, God, not my will, but yours be done in my life. Um, the prayer that Jesus prayed um, the night before his arrest, when, when he was praying and, and saying, God, if, if this cup can pass, if there's another way, please let it happen, but not my will, but yours be done. It was a powerful message. I encourage you, um, if you've got 30 minutes throughout the course of this week and you missed last week, go back and listen to that. And um, I'm just, as just reflecting, I was actually talking with the team this morning. We had a little pre-service prayer and, and we're talking. And I love being a part of a church um, that our last few series, and I'm sure further beyond that, but I've only been here for our last few series, um, are, are, are so straightforward and so challenging. Um, I just, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm glad to be a part of a church like that. And um, I believe that there's even greater things to come throughout this series and in our church. And today we're going to continue that uh, Dangerous Prayers series. And Pastor Rob pointed out last week that, that we titled this Dangerous Prayers uh, because there are times in your life that when you pray this, your life may be altered a little bit, all right? It's going to be a little bit dangerous um, if you pray these prayers and really mean it because when you pray, God, not my will, but your will be done, sometimes his will is different than yours, all right? And, um, but in all reality, looking back at our lives, it's actually dangerous not to pray them. Because we serve a God who knows us better than we know ourselves. We serve a God who created us and created us for a purpose. And when we go for his will and do what he has called us to do, um, that's when we understand what happiness and satisfaction is really about. So it's important for us to pray these prayers, even though they may look a little bit dangerous. Um, It's actually dangerous not to pray them. Um, just thinking this thought as we were just talking about this dangerous prayers, and I, I, I thought of this, um, mediocre is actually more dangerous than the amazing that God has for our lives. If we don't pray these prayers, yeah, we're going to be mediocre. We're going to be in the middle, and, and it may be good, but, but it's so much more dangerous to settle there than what God has for our lives, which is going to be so much beyond what we can imagine. And uh, so I encourage us, each week to come prepared, to come excited, um, for God to challenge us a little bit more and push us a little bit further. So today we're actually going to talk about Jeremiah chapter 18. So if you want it in your Bibles or um, your, your smartphones and stuff like that, to open up Jeremiah chapter 18. Um, and while you're finding that, I want to give you a little bit of background on Jeremiah. I like Jeremiah a lot, all right? I really like Jeremiah a lot. Um, Jeremiah is one of those guys that, that he's a prophet in the Old Testament. But when you study characters in the Bible, um, there's some amazing things and some amazing characteristics that come up in their life that we can relate to so much. Jeremiah, a little background on him. He was actually called by God to be a prophet at a very early age. When you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, um, he's called at a very young age. It's the verse where God says to him, he says, Before uh, you were formed in your womb, I knew you. I created you. I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. 
And at that moment, Jeremiah actually answers with, and he says, he says, but God, I don't even know how to speak yet. I'm just a youth. And God answers him in verses seven and eight, and this is so important in his life. He says, do not say to me, I am young. You must listen. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. How amazing is that to start off your life like that? And just a side note here, if you are a youth today, if you're, if you're under the age of 18, honestly, even if you're under the age of 25 and you feel like, you know, I just haven't lived enough yet, I can't be a leader, I can't step out, I want to encourage you, um, God has set you apart. God knew you in the womb before you were ever even formed and he set you apart for a specific purpose that you were created for, that he has set things in front of you for. Step out in faith because it's not by your strength anyway, it's by God's and he says, I will be with you, I will tell you what to say and I will rescue you in times of danger. Step out, go after it. That's what Jeremiah had to do. And you may think, wait a second though, Jeremiah is not facing the things that I am facing. And you would be completely right, because what you're facing is nowhere near what Jeremiah was facing. Jeremiah was actually born at the end of, of the reign of King Josiah, all right? So Josiah, was, was, he's right at this time where the Israelite nation started to take this huge digressive line. It's, it's going down both politically, morally, spiritually. It just goes off and there's this string of leaders um, that don't follow God. And, and Jeremiah is commissioned by God to be a prophet during this time, literally to caution the nation of Israel for his entire life. He's the one saying, guys, turn back to God. What you're doing is wrong. And the people did not like that. And God even tells him, um, by the way, I want you to go and do this and you're going to be my prophet, but the people aren't really going to listen to you. That's always exciting news to hear. Um, but uh, Jeremiah still goes in throughout his entire life and says, this is what God is saying to you, turn and repent. And in the midst of it, even though people didn't like hearing the message, people didn't like um, hearing him say that they were wrong and hearing him say, God told me that you need to repent and turn from your ways. They would beat him. He was imprisoned. He he lived a rough life. At the end of it all, he's still known at the end of the book of Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. Just a, a quick leadership lesson even about Jeremiah that I took away from studying his life. Even though the people that he was ministering to despised him at times, he was still found crying for the nation of Israel repenting on their behalf and then going after God and saying, God, give them one more chance. I know that you've said that, that, that you're just done with them, but give them one more chance. And I want to be that type of leader. I hope that that's our prayer, each and every one of us. Because I'll admit, in moments of my weakness, there's times where I would have been in the situation that Jeremiah was, I would have been like, all right, God, you win, kill him. Like, Seriously, I'm done with this. I've been beaten so many times. I keep getting imprisoned. You tell me to do things, just let it go. But uh, that's not Jeremiah's heart. And um, that's so amazing. I pray that that's something that, that we always, um, that we always uh, keep in our forefront. So we get to Jeremiah 18, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. We're going to read this together. It says this. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping um, from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. 
He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Um, this is the, the, the metaphor, the analogy, that God is showing Jeremiah at this time. He's watching this, this um, potter work and saying, just like that, my people, the nation of Israel, us here today that, that would consider ourselves Christians, what he's saying is, I have that ability to shape you, just like the potter shapes his clay. It starts as, as just a lump of clay, and the potter makes something out of it. I have that ability. If anything gets out of whack, if it gets marred in his hands, I can smash it down and recreate something um, that I'm still planning on. Just like that, I can shape you. And before we dive into what this means if, if in our lives, um, I did a little bit of research on, on pottery. I don't know if you know this or not, but I am not a potter. Um, I have never actually... I, I, didn't do well in art class, um, not really the creative type in that realm. Um, it just, nothing ever worked out well for me. I actually have a mug. I should have brought that in. I have a mug that I created. My boys love it because dad created it, um, but it's terrible. Uh, and I forgot about it until right now. It sits on our dresser because our kids love it. But you, it's, it's perfect. You know that I'm obviously not a potter. But I did some research throughout the course of this week as to what, it, what he would be watching because this is something um, that would have been common practice for Jeremiah's time. He would have talked about the potter and the clay and, and the spinning wheel. And the people would have known it in that time. Because it was, it was a common material. Everyone had pottery. Everyone had some type of, of clay jar that they would hold things in. Um, way back to the beginning of creation. During archaeological digs. Archaeolog- archaeologists, easy for me to say. Um, will, will find uh, clay over and over throughout history. It's something that would have been there in common knowledge to them. But what happens is, is it starts with a wedge of clay. So you've got this wedge of clay and uh, uh, you've got to find the right wedge of clay and, and, and potters will look through it and make sure air bubbles and consistency and all of that stuff. And then what they'll do is there's the, the, the spinning wheel that sits there and they will actually throw it onto the wheel. You've got to throw it on so that it sticks. And as it starts to spin then, um, it has to be perfectly centered on the wheel or else the centrifugal force will make it all lopsided. So you've got to, the potter then has to make sure that it's centered on the wheel. And then with their thumbs, they will open the clay, it's called. So they, they push their thumbs down the middle of it and with the centrifugal force, the sides start to, start to fly out into the potter's hands. So it's coming out and the, the potter then can, um, if there's any impurities that come out the side, they, they continue to, to, to mold it and to sculpt it as it's coming out. And if at any time it, it gets to a point where it's too thin and it's starting to collapse or whatever, the potter can just smash it back down and start over because the potter has this thought in their mind. They know what they're going for. They know what shape they're trying to make. Um, So if it ever gets out of line, they can just kind of get back to the lattice point and and start it all over. And then once they get it to to where they want, you you cut it off of the, the wheel and you put it in the kiln. It goes into the fire. And the fire then changes the clay. It changes it from being this, this moldable, um, uh, pliable material into something hard. And it also burns away all of the impurities. Anything else that would be in the clay um, in the middle of the fire gets completely burnt off. And then it comes back out. You have to wait till it cools. And that's when it's painted and glazed and all of that and goes back into the fire a second time. Because you have to do all of that for it even to be able to hold anything. If not, um, it water will still leak into it, so there has to have its glaze, and that's kind of the potting process. So that's what Jeremiah is watching, and um, people of that time understand that. And today, 
just as Jeremiah was doing, our prayer, our dangerous prayer today is this. It's God mold me. God mold me. Um, But in that molding process, as we continue to break it down, it's not as easy as just, hey, God mold me. There's so much that happens in that. Um, that, that we need to, to be a part of. So today, there's a couple of things that I want us to remember. If we really, truly want to pray this prayer, God mold me. If we want to surrender to God's molding and what he has for us, um, there's a few things that we need to remember. And the first one is this, is that we can have no preconceived endings. We can have no preconceived endings. When it comes to pottery, when it comes to God molding us, we realize and understand that when God molds us, he's in charge. He has the ending in mind, so we can't be there and say, you know what, God, I really need you to mold me into a professional athlete. All right, it just doesn't work. God, I need you to mold me into an extremely wealthy businessman, right? How many of us know that that's kind of where we want to be? We've got a plan for our life and we wish that we could be a part of it and say, you know what, God, mold me into this. And we'll even then rationalize it with God. And you're like, God, but honestly, when you look at what professional athletes make, uh, you know what 10% of $2 million a year is, huh? Like God doesn't know math or something and God's going, I've got a plan for your life. I've got a plan for your life. We can't go in with preconceived notions. Remember, we just talked about Jeremiah chapter one, verses five, when he said, before I even formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, I had a plan for you, and I set you apart. We have to always remember that. We've got to lean on that and realize that it's not up to us to tell God um, what he should mold us into. So often, um, we want to mold us into something that God has a different plan. We wish that we were something. If it was, in our, if it was our idea or, or by our own working, we would do something other than what God has planned for us. And I was thinking about this concept even last night. I was just kind of going over my notes and, and, and preparing. And um, I thought there's so many people in this world that think that they could do better themselves. They want to be a part of this whole molding process. Yet so often in, in our culture, in our day and age here in America... Um, there's so many people that have worked so hard to get to where they're at and are still unsatisfied with their life. And how interesting is it that every time we try and do something, we're never satisfied. There's got to be a point where we throw up our hands, that we give up and say, you know what, God, I've tried. It doesn't work. Whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's fortune, it doesn't work. There's not satisfaction. And that's because God, I feel like at times is saying, that's because I've created you for something else. I'm trying to make you into something. I'm trying to mold you into something in your life. Just give me the opportunity to do it. The second thing that that we must do um, to be moldable is we must remain pliable. We must remain pliable. If there's ever a time, if you've ever watched a, a, um, a potter, they'll go through and they've got a bunch of different wedges of clay and they'll sit there and they'll like push on it and everything else and, and, the very few times that I've actually seen potters, they never actually pick the first one. You ever notice that? They're always like, oh, something is wrong with this, and I can't tell the difference. I don't know why, but there's always something there, um, and a lot of times, it's, it, it has to do with how pliable it is. For what they have in mind, it's, it's, will this work? Is the consistency what they want? In our lives, we must constantly remain pliable and realize that God has the right to change whatever it is. When we sometimes go on our own path and when we sometimes throughout our days and throughout our months go, you know what, I'm going to run after this for a little bit. This seems like it'd be fun. Let's, let's do this. God holds the right to say, all right, let's get back in line. 
let's start this thing over because I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you if you would just trust me in it. Um, the pottery process, you have to remember, it, it, by, by spinning so quickly, it actually brings out some of the impurities. It brings out the impurities that the, the potter can then scrape off with their hands. And, and so often in life, um, this happens to us as well. We've got to keep in mind that there's times where God has to reshape and remold us. How many of you have been in a situation where, where something comes out of your mouth or will come out of your life that you're like, I have no idea where that just came from? <laughs> the nervous laughter. <laughs> no, I've never been in that situation. Um, if, as spouses start to nudge, none of that. We'll deal with it. But um, that's so often what happens in life. We must remain pliable and realize that there's things that may come out of us. And I realize this too as well. Um, so often... Our fear isn't being molded. I think those of us that are Christians here, we, we would stand here and say, you know what, I would totally pray this prayer. This is, you know what, I believe that God would mold me. But when we get into the molding process, sometimes we don't remain pliable. And it's not that we don't feel like we need to be molded. It's that sometimes we lack trust in knowing that God actually knows best. God doesn't always give us the end goal. It doesn't say, hey, you know what, I'm going to make you into this. And then... You just have to walk through life till he gets you there. We just have to walk through life, life and remain pliable and trust that God knows best for our lives. I believe that when that happens, that's when we experience being great. But so often we can stop short because we believe that God has done something great in our lives and we're excited about that and we just stop. We need to realize that no matter how old you are, no matter how long on this process of, of salvation and Christianity you are, I don't care if you've been saved for 10 minutes, 10 years, or 100 years. If you've been saved for 100 years, talk to me because you know more than all of us right now. But it doesn't matter. You, almost, you always must remain pliable. Um, leadership axiom, Jim Collins uh, wrote a ton of leadership books, but he always talks about how good is actually the enemy of great. Because in studying companies, so often people will get to good. They're on the exact same trajectory and they get satisfied with where they're at and they're excited. And they're like, hey, this is awesome, we're good. But the companies that excel, those that are great, are the ones that continue to strive, continue to change, continue to remain pliable. And I think that there are so many people in God's kingdom that are happy with where they're at, they're satisfied with where they're at, and God is still wanting to mold them more, saying, I have so much more for you. We need to remain pliable. We need to remain uh, ready for God to change and, and take us to a different level and mold us into something else at all times. If we want to pray the prayer, God, mold me, we must remain pliable. The third thing is that the final product, we have to remember this, the final product is always for the Creator's glory. God isn't molding us just so that, that we can be us and we could get all the, the glory and all the praise and that's just cool so that, hey, this would be fun and people can look at us. God is molding us so that we can be a vessel for him, so that we can uh, deflect that glory and that honor and that praise back to him. Ephesians 2, chapter 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared and advanced for us to do. So we are his handiwork that he has created to do the work he prepared for us. All we have to do is do the work. It's not about us. It's about him and who he is. The fact of that, if, if you're at all depressed in that, going, really, I've got to just, all the glory to him. Think about this. How amazing is it that the creator of the universe would take the time to work on you? 
How amazing is it that, that of over 7 billion people on this planet, the creator of the universe, the one who created all of this, and is over every one of the people here, would take the time to mold you. The hands-on experience of molding you. That's what gives us the value. It's not the creation that is the value. It is the creator that gives it the value. To illustrate this real quick, if you would imagine with me, um, that uh, just, just in your mind, come, in, come into my, my dining room real fast, because we have our kitchen table there, and um, my sister, in all of her wisdom, decided that she would give my four-and-a-half-year-old and my two-and-a-half-year-old for Christmas um, this Play-Doh set. So we've got this Play-Doh set that's there, and um, it's this Play-Doh ice cream set, all right? So you can, like, punch out little, like, bananas and then little like sprinkles and stuff like that and then you put the play-doh in the top and you squeeze it down and it comes out like it's soft serve ice cream um, in these little plastic cones and you can put sprinkles on it and stuff like that and, um, I have a four and a half year old and a two and a half year old so um, I just have to confess to you some of my OCD um, just has huge issues with this because I can't handle when colors mix all right I don't know if you've ever dealt with play-doh but you cannot separate them again it's over so then by putting the yellow one with all of the red and green chunks back in the yellow cap tin is a complete lie. It's just, so, I'm literally getting hives. Pray for Amber. She has to deal with me. I legitimately, Thanksgiving is my least favorite holiday, or holiday because everything like touches and everyone's like, oh, look at all the food and they pile it on and I'm like, my sister-in-law actually got me a, a school tray one year. With all that. I digress. That was the espresso. I'm sorry. Um, so, th- so they're doing, they're doing this, this, this Play-Doh creation, right? So inevitably, we get to this point where, where my two-year-old will come up to me, and he's got this ball of, like, mashed colors, and it's all crazy, and it, it's, it's this just, there's nothing to it, but you can kind of tell what he was going for. And he'll say, he'll say to me, Daddy, look at this. And every time, you know what my answer is? Every time, even though like the, the, the hair is standing up on my skin because it's all mashed together, you know what I say? Buddy, that's amazing. Man, that is awesome. And it's not because of what it is. It's because of my relationship with the one who created it. I promise you this, if you walk into my house in that moment and you, you see this, this ball of clay or you see the, the pictures that we have hanging on our, our uh, on our refrigerator that, that my boys colored and Brody was all excited because he wrote his own name and you can't really tell that the R, it looks like a V, but whatever. If you come into my house and you point out that they're terrible, I promise you I'll punch you straight in the throat. <laughs> all right? Because it's not about what's there. It's about the creator. And our lives are exactly the same way. It's not about It's not about even the creation. It's the fact that we can bring glory to the creator. What we become is not about who we are, but it's about who created us. We must always remember that. The last thing is this, is that his creation is always better than our expectations. His creation is always better than our expectations. When we pray, God mold me, yeah, there's fear. Some of our lives may look drastically different. Some of our career paths may change completely when we pray, God, mold me. 
It's not easy. That's why, that's why we talk about this as a dangerous prayer. It's not an easy prayer. But I promise you that when you pray, God mold me. When you submit to what he has done for your life, the creation and what he can do in your life is so much greater than what you could do on your own. A couple of weeks ago, um, we were in our staff prayer time and, and we pray together on Tuesdays. So on, on Tuesday mornings, we, we come in here and we put on some worship music and the entire staff, um, a lot of us will just walk around, some of us will sit and then we'll read our Bibles. And um, a few weeks ago, um, God laid on my heart, um, I was just reflecting on my life and where God has brought me. And then at the end of that prayer time, we always meet, we always end up, honestly, we, we'll meet right up here. I usually sit on the side of the stage and we all kind of stand and sit up in here. And um, I said, God... Um, is, is talking to the, the staff and, and just started to talk about where I would be if not for God in my life. And I asked the question, I threw it out there and just said, hey guys, just humor me for a second. You know, I'll go first. Here's what would probably happen in my life if, if it wasn't for God. This is what, what I would have been pursuing. And we went around the circle and, and it, was, it, was, it was, honestly, it was a really cool experiment that we did with the staff here. The stories that came out of it were, were amazing. We'd be going after fame. We'd be going after fortune. Some of us, um, the, there, was, there were answers that were literally, I'd, I'd be single. There's no way I'd be married. I'd be divorced right now. I'd, I'd be um, dead or in jail um, were some of the things. And that's the staff that came out. And I just thought a moment, um, just for a minute about our lives. And if we would have gone after what we wanted in our life, things would have been so drastically different. But at the same time as we sat there, each and every one of us said, I'm so glad that we allowed God to mold us. I'm so glad that we allowed God to be the one who shapes us in our lives. In Jeremiah's time, you know what I found interesting about pottery? This is a pretty cheap material, actually. The pot itself, um, didn't have a whole lot of worth. Yeah, there were a couple of them that cost more than others because of um, who made it and the different designs and how ornate it was. But the value of pottery was actually, was actually found in what the pottery was to contain. The value wasn't in the vessel, but was in what the vessel was holding. And in our lives, when we ask God to mold us, when we say, God, guide us, shape us, mold us, the value is not in what we become. The value is because God is molding us into something that he can, he can then put his Holy Spirit into. Guys, do you realize that we are carriers of the Spirit of God? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, God, mold me. God, I want you to take control of my life. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit comes into our life to guide us, to lead us. Do you realize that if you've prayed that prayer, you then carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. You carry the hope of the world. It's not about the creation. The praise doesn't go to the creation. Our lives, what God molds us into, is so that we can give glory, that we can give honor, that we bring more fame to the name of Jesus Christ. Our goal is we pray, God, mold me. It's so that we can become his masterpiece 
to put his spirit into. How amazing is that? My prayer today, as we're about to close, is that each and every one of us, our prayer is the prayer that Isaiah prayed in chapter 64, verse 8, when he says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all work in your hands. That we would pray, God, mold me into whatever you see fit so that I could bring glory to your name. Mold me into whatever you see fit so that I could bring glory to your name. Imagine with me for a second what this church could look like, what the Egan campus could look like if each and every one of us said, really said and believed it, God mold me. Whatever you want me to be, whatever you have called me to be, God mold me. Can you imagine what God could do with each and every one of us? Some of you may be, may be doctors. Some of you, you may be businessmen that God is calling to be missionaries. Some of you may be missionaries that God is calling to be businessmen because he wants to bless you and he understands generosity. I don't know what it's going to be. But I know that, that the kingdom of God would absolutely take off from this place if we allowed God to mold us, if we allowed God to be in our lives, that we understood that, that we were to remain pliable, that we understood that the credit went to God, that it was all for his glory, that we are carriers of the hope of the world. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I want you to even do some inventory of your, of your life before we all pray this prayer together. I want to speak to two different types of people today if, if you're in this room. The first is this. Those of you who maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been on the fence for a while. Maybe you, um, maybe this is your first time in a church. I don't know. I don't know. But you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And throughout the course of maybe this message, throughout the course of the last um, season of your life, you've realized that you're unsatisfied. You've realized that there's got to be something more. And today, you start to feel that prompting. Let me tell you this, that is God. That is the Holy Spirit. That's the joy of the relationship we get to have with the creator of the universe. If today you want to respond to that for the very first time, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, accept me so that I can pray for you. If you want to slip up your hand and say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be able to hold me. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hand down. The second type of person that I want to talk to is, is those who maybe you look at your life and you realize that you'd consider yourself a Christian. You've been going down that road. You've been doing what, what you think best for the kingdom of God, but you realize that you need to recommit. You need to remain pliable. Maybe you've settled into something in your life and you say, God, today, I want to pray this prayer again. I want you to mold me into what you have created me to be. And you want to recommit to him today and say, God, I want to pray the prayer today. Mold me. Mold me into whatever you see fit, God, so that I can bring glory to your name. If that's you today, if you just want to raise your hand and say, God, I commit my life to you. Mold me. I never want to stay stagnant. I never want to stay hard. I never want to stop. I want to continue to grow with you. Thank you so much. 
you so much. If you would, even in your, in your own hearts and in your minds, if you would pray that prayer with me right now. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that our worth, that our, our value comes from you placing your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we can be carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can be carriers of the hope of the world, but we realize that we must remain pliable so that you can mold us. God, as we stand here in faith and in trust in you praying, God, mold me. We realize that things may change drastically, but God, if that's what it takes to be what you have created us, what you have set us apart for and ordained us to do, God will do it. We stand here today as a church committing to you. God, mold me so that I can bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna ask the prayer teams to start to make their way forward. I encourage you to take advantage of these people that, that come forward and want to pray with you. Like I said, on Tuesday, we have staff prayer, and we, we really do. We, we pray through um, the Connect cards. We pray through the, the needs that we know of in the church. We pray over the leaders of this church because we understand that prayer is powerful. We understand that prayer works, that God moves when his people pray. And I encourage you, even if, it's, if you've committed your life to Jesus and this is the time today, come pray with one of these people. They can get resources in your hands so that, that you will know what your next steps are to make sure you remain pliable. If there's things in your life that maybe God pointed out throughout the course of this message, um, come forward. Pray with these people and say, I'm making a stand right now. I am committing to God that I will remain pliable. It's still early in the morning. You got a lot of day left. Don't leave without letting God finish his work with what he's done today. Amen. Amen. All right, I've been talking a lot. I figured you get the chance there. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you again next week. Be safe and have a great week serving God.